1: They carry AAPI owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach & Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut and more. Shop AAPI owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty stores and ulta.com.
2: It's Friday, October 15th. I'm Travel Anderson,
0: and I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What a Day where we're advising any cargo ship captains who are stuck at ports To take up a quarantine hobby, mine's banana bread.
2: Or maybe you want to just start your own podcast. Everyone else has one. Why don't you get one too? (laughs)
0: Everyone. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. (laughs) So on today's show, what the tightening race for Virginia's governor means for Democrats throughout the country... Plus, LinkedIn will be leaving China.
2: But first, we wanted to give an update on Congress's efforts to hold accountable those fools who attacked the Capitol earlier this year. The committee that is investigating the Capitol Hill riot that took place on January 6th has been sending out subpoenas to a number of folks involved and those who stoked the baseless claims that motivated the act of treason.
0: Okay, so we've mentioned on the show how a number of these folks have been trying to avoid all of this, and now all of it seems to be coming to a head What has been happening?
2: Well, yesterday, the committee announced that it's planning to hold Steve Bannon in criminal contempt for refusing to comply. You'll recall, probably traumatically, that Bannon served as the chief strategist for the Trump administration for a few months.
0: What a time!
2: He was scheduled to sit for a deposition with the committee yesterday, but his lawyer sent a letter the day before saying that Bannon will not provide testimony or documents until the committee reaches an agreement with Trump over claims of executive privilege or a court makes him.
0: Okay, so what do the proceedings to hold him in contempt look like?
2: It's actually an extended process of sorts. It's a little boring, so don't doze off while I go through this. (laughs) The committee will hold a business meeting next week where they will adopt what is called a contempt report. That report is then sent to the House for a vote. If it passes, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will certify the report to the U.S. attorney for D.C., who is then supposed to bring the matter before a grand jury. The Justice Department also likely would get involved, too. And in case you're wondering, anyone found liable for contempt of Congress is committing a crime that could result in a fine and up to 12 months imprisonment. That said, this full process is rarely invoked because it can take years to complete, and so it rarely leads to actual jail time.
0: Got it. Okay. But Bannon isn't the only Trump ally who's been avoiding subpoenas, right?
2: He is not. Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been subpoenaed. So has former deputy chief of staff, Dan Scavino, former Justice Department official, Jeffrey Clark, and former Pentagon official, Kosh Patel. Trump's lawyers have been advising them all to not comply, as Trump himself fights the release of documents from the White House about his conversations regarding the insurrection and attempts to overthrow and further delegitimize the 2020 election. He's claiming executive privilege for all of them, but some legal scholars say Trump legally can't do that. The only person who can assert executive privilege is the sitting president and the executive branch. And the White House announced Wednesday that it was officially denying Trump's request to do that and shield a set of documents related to the insurrection from the Trump White House.
0: Honestly, that is kind of funny to me. They are just like, nope, like not for you anymore. Get out of here. So what comes next from all of this?
2: Well, the White House directed David Furio, who is the archivist of the United States, which I did not know. There was an archivist of the United States. Didn't
0: know that But they directed
2: him to turn over the docs 30 days after notifying Trump. So now we wait.
0: All right. Love a waiting game. But in the meantime, let's turn to an important election that we haven't talked about on the show in a while. So the midterms aren't until next year, but there is still a big race to watch this election day in Virginia. The state is electing their next governor, and as of now, the race seems to be pretty close.
2: Yes, election day is coming up and voting is already underway. What is happening over there in Virginia?
0: So over the past 10 years, Virginia has really become a blue state. Democrats have won every election for president, senators, governors, you name it. But this race, as I said, is still pretty close, and that is definitely a concern for people. Obviously, the race is important to people in Virginia. It'll affect COVID policy, taxes, education, etc. But this is also the first big election during Joe Biden's presidency. So there are a lot of eyes on the race and theorizing about what this will all mean for Democrats ahead of the midterms. So, Travelle, I wanted to get more background about all of this, so I decided to talk earlier with one of the smartest people in politics and one of my personal favorites, Crooked Media's political director, Shaniqua McClendon. I asked her to set the stage for all of us about the candidates, and here is what she had to say.
3: So the two candidates in the race are Terry McAuliffe, who's a Democrat, and Glenn Youngkin, who's a Republican. And right now, Terry McAuliffe is up by three uh, percentage points in recent polling with likely voters, which is really, really close in a state that has statewide voted for Democrats um, several times over the past decade. Yeah. And Terry McAuliffe is actually a former governor. Right. And he actually was like a really good governor. He was pretty popular. He's still popular. And the person who's running against is Glenn Youngkin. He used to be a top executive at an investment firm, and now he's using all his money to pay for his campaign. Love that. But the primary, he like went all the way to the right and was like, basically like a mini Trump, but now he's trying to not be Trump. While Terry McAuliffe is focusing on COVID and, you know, vaccines and the economy, Youngin is more interested in like being anti-woke, trying to make the case that he's- you know, not the crazy liberals.
0: So this is obviously, like, this is for Virginia's governor. Why should we, if we are not in Virginia, be invested in this race?
3: Narratives do matter, and people will be able to take that. And I think whatever party comes out victorious in Virginia, they'll be able to make the case to voters in other states to say, hey, we did it there. Like, why can't we do it in these other places?
0: Exactly. So I know there's, like, definitely Punditry, and you don't want to give too much importance to poll numbers all the time. But Joe Biden beat Donald Trump pretty easily in Virginia just last year. And now it seems a lot closer than that. Do you know like what has changed or what are the issues there?
3: Virginia has an off year election. It's like one of our first big opportunities to kind of see how voters feel after a presidential And so it's their first time to kind of like vote on on Joe Biden, even though, you know, Joe Biden's not on the ballot, but his policies are, you know, Terry McAuliffe, he can run on his old record, but someone needs to be making the case like why Virginians should elect another Democrat. And, you know, that can get hard when they live right outside of D.C., they see a bit of the dysfunction that's going on uh, within the party. And so like he needs to be able to make the case for that. And then unfortunately, like Trump is kind of out there. Youngkin is uh, sticking to some of those Trump talking points and that gets people excited uh, on the on the right. So if they are like very enthusiastic, that could be why.
0: What do you make of, you know, people trying to extrapolate from this particular race? I know it happens kind of everywhere when there is a race like someone is always trying to make a national conclusion or put it into a larger story about Democrats or Republicans or the next year or whatnot. Do you think that this race has national implications or is that kind of noise we shouldn't really be listening to?
3: First and foremost, like every state is different. Virginia is not a a portrait of the whole country, and I don't think it's a portrait of any other state either. But I do think it can give us a glimpse into what we'll be kind of up against next year. For instance, if Terry McAuliffe, you know, if he were to lose to a Trumpy Republican, I think that that would say a lot about how voters are feeling. And it also means that we need to think through how we're talking to voters in the actual states that we know are swing states um, and trying to win there.
0: Got it. Okay, so if you are sitting here, whether you're in Virginia or not, you're listening to this and you're like, okay, this seems like a big deal. What can I do to help? Where where should we be going? What should we be doing? Tell us everything.
3: Wherever you are, you can go to votesaveamerica.com slash Virginia. And uh, if you are in Virginia and still need to vote, we have information about voting in Virginia. So um, you know, get that done as soon as possible. Uh, but then if you want to volunteer, we have three organizations that you can volunteer with. Some of our Pod Save America hosts are participating in that. Uh, Tommy's going to kick off a volunteer call and then on October 17th, John Favreau will. So you can go to votesaveamerica.com slash Virginia to sign up for those events and you can also donate to the legislative candidates that we have listed on that page as well because I feel good about him winning but he's going to need a legislature to really you know have an impact
0: okay that's awesome Shaniqua McClendon thank you so much this was so helpful I feel very educated on the state of this race
3: well thank you for having me and it was good to see you
0: Travel, that was my conversation with Shaniqua and we will have links to everything that she just mentioned in our show notes that is the latest for now It's Friday, Wild Squad, and today we're doing a segment called The Solution, where we propose a fix to a news story that has created chaos in our world. Guiding us through today is our head writer, John Milstein. John, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you guys so much for giving me a platform. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Okay. All right, so more people are doing violence by making bad visual analogies. A large Republican donor used a swastika made of syringes as her Twitter profile picture and in doing so caused a scandal for the Trump-backed Senate candidate in Georgia whose fundraiser she was set to host. The candidate in question is Herschel Walker. He's a former running back for the NFL who has already raised $3.7 million to unseat Raphael Warnock next year. Walker was set to host an event this weekend when it was revealed that the event's host was using one of history's most hateful symbols to represent herself to the entire Internet. Walker's campaign initially stood by the donor, saying the profile picture was, quote, "...clearly an anti-mandatory vaccination graphic." Yes, and it's still not something we encourage. The Walker campaign later canceled the event, but surely this won't be the last story from this very bad genre. So for people like this lady who makes swastikas out of syringes, here's John with the solution.
4: We need to go back in time to kill Hitler, and also the person who gave conservatives the information they needed to learn graphic design. Killing Hitler is a no-brainer. It would save millions of lives and prevent one of history's greatest tragedies. Another benefit, which is way less important, but should still be noted, is that it would take away the symbol used by the least Jewish people of all time to say when you make me take safe medicine, you're being like that mass murderer. Of course, there will always be horrible, evil men in our history, and as long as anti-vax conservatives can access their grandson's computer, they'll invoke the legacy of those men to make JPEGs that are as offensive as they are low resolution. Even in a world with no Hitler, we can imagine a cruel blonde woman from Beverly Hills protesting at a masks-required Wolfgang Puck with a printed sign that says, Dr. Fauci is Finster. In this alternate reality, Finster is a guy who's as bad as Hitler. All this means that to really solve the problem, we also need to use our time machine to take out whichever guy showed conservatives how to get a free trial of Adobe Photoshop. I'm a pacifist, so I'd like to avoid violence against this guy if possible, I'm assuming since we have a time machine, we have other cool technology, which we can maybe use to just shrink him down until he's smaller than a jelly bean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect that final turn, but like, honey, I shrunk the kids of it all. I
2: appreciate the reference. I really do.
0: A turn unexpected kept me on my toes. A plus, A plus solution.
4: Yeah, I mean, time machines don't develop in isolation. You have to imagine some of the people who make them can do other things. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That was the solution. We will be back after some ads.
2: Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines.
0: In Lebanon, a contentious political fight prompted the worst violence that the country has seen in over a decade. At least six people were left dead and over 30 were injured yesterday after hours of gunfire and street clashes. The fight emerged over a probe into the massive port explosion that took place in Beirut last year. Hezbollah, which is the country's largest political party, and the Amal movements organized a rally demanding the dismissal of the judge leading the investigation, accusing him of political bias. Hundreds of protesters gathered outside the Beirut Palace of Justice, but shots fired by gunmen on rooftops forced them to take cover and spurred hours of clashes in the streets. In a statement yesterday, the Lebanese army said that nine people were arrested in connection with all of the events. Lebanon has a history of political violence. The country was mired in a highly destructive civil war between 1975 and 1990. And the country is currently facing an economic crisis and a largely dysfunctional political system. Because of all of these circumstances, many people are worrying about the potential of this escalation of violence to push the country over the edge.
2: oh, yeah, yeah. In COVID news, an FDA advisory panel yesterday unanimously recommended that the agency authorize a booster dose of Moderna's COVID vaccine. The panel said that it should mirror Pfizer-BioNTech's third shot, it should come at least six months after the second dose, and it should be for people 65 and over or for adults with underlying medical conditions whose jobs or living situations put them at high risk. The panel also recommended Moderna's booster should be half the dose of the initial shot used in the first two rounds. But Moderna isn't facing all good news right now. Earlier this week, White House officials warned the company to, quote, step up and provide more vaccine doses for the rest of the world. We recently reported that the drug maker has been supplying its shots almost exclusively to the world's wealthiest countries. The Biden administration requested the company provide doses to lower-income countries, too, through the World Health Organization-backed initiative COVAX. Moderna has yet to respond.
0: You know, the White House saying, like, a step up is really... Like, big yikes. Like, you know you're you're fucking up if, right. if they're calling you out like that. There is a new scandal from the school that brought us Varsity Blues. A former dean of the University of Southern California was indicted on federal charges Wednesday along with a sitting L.A. city council member for running a multi-million dollar bribery scheme. The accused are city councilman Mark Ridley Thomas and former dean of USC's School of Social Work Marilyn Flynn. Ridley Thomas allegedly steered county money to USC in exchange for a grad school admission with full-time scholarship and a paid professorship for his son between 2017 and 2018. The charges against the former dean and city council member carry up to 20 years in prison. Also in sentencing, the subject of HBO's The Jinx, Robert Durst, was sentenced to life in prison without parole yesterday after being found guilty last month of first-degree murder. He shot his best friend Susan Berman in 2000, hours before she was set to talk to investigators about the still unresolved disappearance of his first
2: wife. LinkedIn users in China may have endorsed their friends' project management skills for the last time because the site will be shutting down in China later this year. Microsoft, who owns LinkedIn, said it is pulling the plug because China has, quote, a significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements. It is worth noting here that China's Internet is heavily censored and closely controlled by the government. By pushing out LinkedIn, they're even infringing on the rights of their citizens to network unsuccessfully like the rest of us. The decision ends a seven-year run for LinkedIn in China. The company was really the last American app running there as Google left more than a decade ago and Facebook, Twitter, and others had been blocked by the government years ago. LinkedIn also said it would offer a new app in the Chinese market that would focus solely on job postings in the future, but it won't have social networking features like the ability to share posts, which are a critical aspect of LinkedIn in the US and elsewhere.
0: Pour one out for the LinkedIn influencers. This is a tough day.
2: (laughs) And those are the headlines. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, endorse us on LinkedIn, and tell your friends to listen.
0: And if you're into reading and not just USC balance sheets like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi.
2: I'm Travel Anderson. And, and enjoy, enjoy your, your quiet, quiet time, time freighter, freighter captains.
0: captains. I don't even know. Banana bread? That was like an early quarantine hobby of mine. Sure.
2: <laughs> what a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine is our associate producer. Our head writer is John Milstein. And our executive producers are Leo, Duran, and myself. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.